stuff. Welcome to Good Stuff Sports number seven. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where I talk to those in and around sports that we all love and hear their stories. Can you hear that sound in the distance? It's skates on the ice. It's sticks and pucks. It's goalies. It's forwards. It's hockey gear. It is Neil Wadier from the Hockey Parent Podcast, and he talks to me about what it's like to have a kid who's a competitive hockey player in high school who's got some potential and really loves the game. It's all about being a parent. It's all about being supportive of your kid and helping your kid to follow their dreams. That's some pretty inspirational sports stuff. And it's Stanley Cup season. I think we know that one team, the Nashville Predators, have made it. So think about those players and think about all the effort and time that their parents put into getting them where they are today. It's all about the parents, isn't it? It's all about the parents. Big thanks to Neil. I think you'll enjoy this one. Talk to you at the end of the show. Welcome to Neil Wadier from the Hockey Parent Podcast to the Good Stuff Sports Podcast. How are you today? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, I reached out to you because um, as, a, as, a, as a parent myself with a, a seven-year-old athlete on my hands, I, uh, I wanted to hear a little bit from you about what inspired you to start your show and what you love about hockey and and maybe talk talk a little bit about what you've learned along the way in terms of in terms of hockey. So you have a podcast. Yeah, I do. We are pod. Uh, we are talking. Uh, we uh, uh, I was I was just listening to yours. Uh, your your new uh, sports podcast number six. Uh-huh. Uh, to drop off the golf clubs to my son as he was getting off of school, uh-huh. and uh, I was listening to your interview with uh, Toby on the way back. So yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying your show, man. Oh, thank you very much. So you know, you know a little bit about what we're what we're going for here. We are not hard hitting, but we just love to talk about sports and and hear yeah, some stories. It. So um, show, awesome. So tell me a little bit about I guess even like before you started your podcast, you're a hockey parent. And what yes. is what is that like? Because I mean, I I know some things about being a hockey parent that I've heard along the way, but I just want to hear it from a firsthand source. Man, it's one word. It's busy. All uh-huh. all go all the time. Uh, you know, we have uh, three children. Uh, two of them have uh, since left the house. They're you know getting ready to go to college. Uh, all three of our kids played hockey at one level or another. Uh, my oldest played uh, some recreational and then some some high school, which. In some areas of the country, is really competitive. Here in Nebraska, the high school hockey is, is uh, you know, they, it's competitive locally. Uh, so he had a good time playing that, and then he moved on. My daughter started playing when she was, oh, I think she was seven or eight. Uh, and then, you know, playing at that level, you get the boys and girls mix uh, a lot. They don't have a designated girls team until you get a little bit older. Uh, and she loved it for a time uh, and then moved on. She, she had actually ended up being primarily a soccer player. So she moved on to soccer and then other things in high school. Uh, it's our youngest. Tyler is our is our hockey player through and through. He's uh, 24-7 and, and all year round. Um, uh-huh. we, we were joking right before we came on the air that he's, he's doing a little bit of golf right now since he's a freshman in high school. Uh, just wanted to try to something a, a little bit different. But uh, they just finished up their season a couple weeks ago. We went up to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, actually, for uh, for regionals, and they ended up, uh, dropping out of contention at that tournament, so they didn't make it to the national tournament. Uh, but they're already talking about summer hockey and tryouts for next season. Wow! 
and it's uh, you know we should say it's uh, mid-April. Not necessarily the time of year that's associated with hockey, but if you follow the NHL, you know the playoffs are about to start, and it's almost summertime. And so right, I, everybody's getting ready to wind down from their hockey season, and we're we're just continuing on. Through yeah. Right. So. so what what is the how long is the season for like a a high school hockey player? Does he play for his high school team, or is it like a club team? No, he plays for a AAA club team out of Omaha. They do have local high school. They do have. Uh, some club, house, and then travel teams. Uh, and I can explain all that to you in a little bit. But yeah, he sure. plays at a AAA. So if you imagine, if you're familiar with baseball, AAA, AAA, it's kind of the same thing. You've got your AUAA. AAA is your highest competitive level at each age bracket. Right now, he, well, he just turned 15. So he finished up um, his Bantam, which is your, your 14-year-old division. Uh-huh. And, um, so that, that finished up in March. Nationals just happened this last weekend. So officially going through, you know, the national tournament uh, goes all the way into April. They can start their season. I mean, like I said, they'll practice year round, but they'll probably start games in uh, late September or October. Okay. Wow. So there's, you know, I I think, you know, thinking about in terms of like a, a baseball kind of farm team makes a lot of sense. But so for a fifteen kid, fifteen year old kid like Tyler, like what's the trajectory? Like what are the what happens if he decides to continue to play? Right, like because we can't control our kids as much as we want to. Blah blah blah. But like, if he were to continue to go all the way through, what are the next levels? Well, they have uh, at at fourteens, fifteens, sixteens, and then eighteens is the age divisions that uh, that Omaha represents and. Uh, so there are some some variations with that depending on what part of the air, what what part of the country you're in, what part of the world you're in. Uh, some some teams will keep at those those individual levels. Other people will do maybe combine some of their younger players up and they'll do like a 16 major, 16 minor. Uh, so there's some flexibility in that. It's it's not necessarily set, but generally speaking, from your from your youngest, you know, at, at under seven years age, you're going to have an, an IP program, which is your initiation program, and that's kind of your just get out on the ice. Try not to fall down and, and you know knock anybody else down. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of skating <laughs> and a little bit of stick handling, and then you go up to under nine years would be your your novice level, what most people refer to as your mites. Uh-huh. Squirts uh, is under eleven, peewees is under thirteen, and then you get into the level we're at. So bantam is uh, fifteen years under fifteen, and then you get into midgets, which is under eighteens. Uh-huh. So your sixteens, your eighteens are considered your midgets, and that's the age where you get about 16 years old. That's where it starts to get a little iffy on. If you're good enough, they do have junior hockey. Uh, so like locally in the Midwest, they got the USHL, Omaha, uh, Lincoln, Des Moines, Sioux City. A lot of these teams where they'll go and they'll play uh-huh. junior hockey to represent a city. And that in itself doesn't necessarily, isn't considered like a minor league it does not exempt them from from later on going into uh, college hockey. They'll still have their full eligibility. So at, at as early as 16 years old, they could go off and leave the house and go billet with a family in a different city and play high school or play hockey during high school. Wow! Uh, to represent these cities and then still go on to play college hockey after that. Wow, that's quite a trajectory. And and at a certain point, right, like kids start to get. Uh, you you know, I, I mean, you know, we're jumping the gun a little bit, not to say anything about anyone that we know or anything, but like, 
you know, so I, if I were to be a hockey fan, and I am a sort of a peripheral hockey fan, I would be a Buffalo Sabres fan, right? So I, uh, I grew up going to Sabres games. We live in the Bay Area, so I've been to some Sharks games. But for, for someone like Jack Eichel, right, I'm sure you know that name, or like Connor McDavid. These are like the two guys that I know. They must have been scouted and recruited from, I don't know, I mean, like how, how young would that sort of process have begun for a player that's like just so off the radar, incredible, off the charts good? Well, what we're looking at is they have uh, player development. And uh-huh. so at 16 is where they, they'll actually swoop in. And, and if you're good enough, they'll they'll start recruiting you to come out and play some junior, um, you know, maybe even some, you know, depending on where you're at. In the Midwest, it's, it's juniors playing USHL. Uh, and I know up in, in Canada, they have different levels. I'm not going to even try to explain. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't please. It's, it's like politics. I would never understand it. <laughs> all, all respect towards them. It's just it's a whole different world. And I know I don't want to, I don't want to speak at it, at it. You know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, at, at 14 and 15 years old, they can legitimately go to some of these camps. And uh, every once in a while, you'll see something about scouts at some of the bigger, uh, the bigger events. Because when, I mean, when they, like I said, when they hit 16, uh, they may have been recruited for the last two years from 14 years old. That's not un, unheard of because yeah. some of these kids really are that good. Uh, in, in a you know, specialized sport like hockey, it's, if you haven't been skating since you were a little, little kid, you're, you're so far behind the curve. I and mean, we joke around um, you know, that, that hockey is so difficult because you can go out into a field and play baseball or football or you know, anywhere there's a concrete service, you can play basketball, but you can't play hockey unless you have ice. Right. You know, and, and you can talk about roller hockey. There is some benefit to that. Uh, it's not the same thing, um, although it is beneficial as a like a cross training um, for ice hockey. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of these kids have been playing since they could they could walk. They were already on skates. Uh-huh. And then you come all the 14, 15, 16 year olds. They're going to uh, prospect uh, hockey leagues. They're going to prospect camps. Um, we're already looking at some of the some of the camps. Uh, Tyler and his mom are heading out next weekend. They'll be in Chicago for a couple of days uh, for a prospect camp, and then you know he's got two or three that he's going to hit throughout the summer. In wow. addition to some of his uh, his travel that he does. So I mean, it's a very involved sport. Yeah. And people people just know, uh, you know, we'll have a good time with people during the summer, but once September and October hits, they just know, you know, peace out. We'll see you in in April. Yeah. We're just so busy all the time. There's there's some some months where we're on the road three out of four weekends. Jeez, that's so much. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, we really do have to love it, and we do. We've turned the uh, the trips that we go on. Um, it very easily can drag you down and it can get very very expensive. So what we've done is we've actually turned it into a lot of mini vacations. Uh-huh, you know, sure. we regularly go to Colorado Springs, Denver, Minnesota. Uh, Chicago, St. Louis. I mean, and these are really awesome places to go visit anyway. And then we get to go there several times a year. So we've just we've just made it a plan that we don't take major vacations. We don't go on ski trips anymore. We don't go on, on cruises. We just hit you know fifteen or sixteen mini vacations throughout the year. Yeah, so it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, were you a hockey player? I didn't start playing hockey until I was twenty five. So no. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I was one of those recreational guys that liked to go out on on a Saturday night and, you know, play the beer league hockey. Uh-huh. Skate around a little bit. Yeah. Right. And then when I met uh, Amy, my wife, um, she, you know, we, we ended up playing some together. She was like, I signed her up. It was kind of a funny story. She, I signed her up without her knowing because they wanted me to play. And I was like, no, I'm going to take some time off. He's like, no, really, I need a, I need a goaltender. Uh-huh. I said, 
well, if you, you sign up my girlfriend, I thought he was going to say no. And he said, yep, okay, you're in. And then he hung up real quick before I could say anything. <laughs> and then I turned around and Amy's standing behind me. She's like, hey, who was that? I said, oh, it was Ray. He signed me up for hockey. She's like, oh, that's great. And I said, good, because you're going to play. You're too. coming too. <laughs> She she kind of thought about it and, and she had a good she was a good sport about it so she ended but she ended up playing like three years and just oh, had wow. a blast that's great yeah. um so so let's talk about the talk about your podcast so you mentioned a whole bunch of travel that you were doing and you mentioned that it's a year round sport and so here's before we even get into like what your show is about we have to clear up something that. Uh, has been making the rounds for years, as far as I know, and that is the uh, the odor that comes with hockey equipment. True or false? Hockey equipment Stench. is the stinkiest equipment. It is absolutely true. It's absolutely <laughs> true. You know, and it gets so bad. I won't even. We won't even let them bring their gear in the in the house anymore. It has to stay out in the garage. Or at this point, we're lucky that they have a dedicated locker room space that they can leave it at the rink most of the time. But when they bring it to the house, it stays in the garage. They are not allowed to bring it in the house. It is absolutely horrid. <laughs> and, I mean, it's bad. It's so bad sometimes that it, it, when they were younger, before they routinely took showers, now they're old enough, you know, yeah. high school athletes, they take showers at the rink. Um, but before that, we had to at, at least say, go wash your hands. For, for out loud. <laughs> the, the stench is horrible. And unless you go take your gear somewhere and have it professionally clean like you would like a dry cleaner, it's, sure. it's pretty much similar to that. All you can do is hang it out and hope for the best, you know. And it, it got to the point where Amy would routinely buy uh, Tyler Febreze. Like that was one of his uh, his Christmas presents. He would yeah. get an axe spray. You know, he had to go spray his stuff down, and spray axe all over his body. Oh my gosh! You, you get in a, after after a hockey tournament, you're itching to get home, and you got a six to eight hour drive yeah. on a Sunday night. Let's get in the car and go. And you're about twenty minutes on the drive, and you're like, oh my gosh. This is Horrible. Yeah, let's put the windows yeah, down. It's, yeah, it's legit. It's real. <laughs> it's, it's real. And then the other thing that I've always heard about is is the is practice time, you know, like five a.m. practices, or maybe even sometimes earlier. Is that still the case? You you get the ice time that's available with us. Um, I'm not as much of a morning person as I used to be, and, uh -huh. and, and Amy used to work. Uh, she was a medic. And she did a lot of overnights and, and late nights. So she's she's a, a, a night person. And we've been lucky that a lot of our practices have actually been the opposite. They've been late at night. Oh, so okay. our concern was trying to get them out of the rink as quickly as possible home and get them to bed in time. Because, you know, even now it's it's not uncommon that we're not even leaving the rink until 9 or 9.30 at night. Uh -huh. Wow. So, yeah, that can be a concern. But, again, you've only got so many ice rinks and you take you, you get the ice that you're given. Yeah, you take the time that you're given. Okay. So, so what inspired you to start your podcast? This actually came out of, of something else that I was doing. So, uh, with, with all the travel that we've done, you know, we've talked about the travel and the, uh, and the expense. And if you imagine, say, you know, a family with, you know, a mom and dad, a couple kids and all the kids are doing activities. Well, you've got one parent will go with the hockey child on the trip. The other one has to stay home to either, you know, handle work or handle other activities. So you've got a lot of divide and conquer going on in hockey uh, when you start traveling. So what we realized is a lot of the moms and some of the dads would be sitting in the stands texting or tweeting out updates to the games because everybody wanted to know what was going on. Well, a couple things about that is you're, you're not really getting good updates anyway, and then the people that are in the stands texting and tweeting aren't really watching the game. 
So myself and a couple of the other dads kind of researched some some information. And what we came out with, this was about two and a half years ago, is we found a free app where we could put it on our iPhone, get like a um, uh, the Turtle Beach, like the Xbox headsets that plug right into our uh, our iPhones with the headset and the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And we ended up calling play-by-play. And oh, it was wow. kind of rough. It was really rough at first. <laughs> uh, but I'd go on YouTube and I'd, you know, I'd listen to other people calling the game. And you, there's just kind of a flow. If you understand the game, you can get into the flow and you, you can figure it out. At least I did anyway. And so I started doing that. And for the last two and a half years, I've been doing uh, play-by-play for the Omaha, these Omaha hockey teams. Uh, and it, for a while, it was just Tyler's teams. And then it turned into when he got into these, they started traveling out the 14s, 15s, 16s, 18s ended up traveling to a lot of the same places. So I would do some of their games as well. And then when Facebook and YouTube came out with their live feature, we could put the Facebook app on my phone, put it up on a, a rigged little tripod that my buddy put together and do the same thing, plug it in there. And now we had live You're video live, broadcast, play by play. And then I had one of my buddies would, we got a splitter and he'd hop on and help out with the color commentary. And there was sometimes there was three of us on there doing it. And it was just a blast. And yeah. we had so People responding so i've got a dedicated facebook page just for that called omaha triple a hockey radio uh-huh. and i never really even live video now i never really changed the name because i had such a good following going within the first few weeks i had a, a couple hundred followers and now after two years i'm, I'm pushing 800 people on the page oh yes that's great so, yeah and so it it, it it started off as that and i started getting a lot of positive feedback people saying oh you got a great voice you you know you're, you're willing to throw yourself out there and you know, I, I wasn't that great, but I was the one that was willing to do it. And so with that, then we started getting to a lot of subjects of, yeah, we want to hear more about this or, you know, what's, you know, let's have some conversation. I'm like, well, if we're going to do that, rather than going on the air during the game, I'll just start a podcast. Mm. And, you know, again, it just came down to really how, how willing, and you know this, how willing are you to get behind the mic and put yourself out there in front of potentially hundreds of people and and is it really going to be good enough? And you've, you've got all those thoughts. And I finally just said, you know what? I'll do it. I'm uh-huh. just going to set it up. I'll do it. I had listed out, uh, you know, I had planned out 30 or so potential shows of ideas that I wanted to do. I recorded four or five before I even released it and then just threw it out there. Uh-huh. And it's been going good so far. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I listened to it. It's, it's very... Um you have a sort of a, I mean, even as the, the hockey parent, you have a diverse uh, cast of people that you've talked to. You talked to some roller derby, right? Like, if I'm not mistaken. And roller, yeah, roller hockey. Uh, they do the uh, roller hockey at the skating right. rink. Right. Not derby, roller derby. hockey. <laughs> right. And so, who are some of the other folks that you've talked to for your show? Okay. So, uh, episode one was a good friend of mine that he and, he, and, he and my daughter actually started playing hockey together. Him and I met at the rec league that I was talking about. Um, so him and I talked about uh, raising a hockey daughter and being a hockey coach for a girls team and how, you know, unique that might be uh-huh. for, you know, as, as girls hit, you know, adolescence and teenage and, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the awkward moments and what it's like to coach boys versus girls. So we had a really good conversation about that. We had another one where it was uh, one of the goalie dads and just the unique perspective of a goalie parent and, and how not only stressful that is, but you know, all the additional cost that goes along with it and just a, a unique position. And how does, you, you know, goaltenders are just, from what I've, I've learned, goaltenders are just strange, regardless of what sport <laughs> you're in. You got to be off a little bit to, to stand in front of something that's coming intentionally coming at you. It's so fast. And, uh-huh. and so parents I've learned are, are, are kind of along the same <laughs> line. So just talking to you know, the unique perspective of a hockey dad 
um, a couple things that I wanted to touch on was just the uniqueness and the, su- the supportive environment of the hockey community. And so another one that I did was uh, my friend Simon, who uh, a little over a year ago uh, realized that he had uh, a certain type of cancer uh-huh. and the, the stress that he had to go through in his family and the support that he received. And although it wasn't a good thing, the, the good result was that the hockey community came together and supported them and all the love that they felt from the community. So that was really exciting. Um, talked to, you know, we talked about the roller hockey. Um, another one was uh, my cousin, who is from small town Nebraska, uh, ended up going to the University of Nebraska, Omaha, and meeting one of the hockey players that came to Omaha from Canada. Uh-huh. And that was just an interesting conversation because she went to UNO didn't know anything about hockey and she ends up meeting this hockey player who came down to Canada, which is an interesting story because he came to Omaha not knowing anything about Omaha and he was one of the first players. He actually, he was on the very first UNO hockey team. So how do you even, how do you come to a place like Omaha? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Work. So it was just a great conversation. Cool. Uh, and then the, the one uh, that probably meant a lot the most to me was uh, with Shane Sanborn. He was, uh, an assistant coach and a really good friend of mine, uh, and he was my stepson's dad. He died in a car accident in December, and so this season's been really difficult for a lot of us uh, dealing with his passing. Um, but it was it was a great opportunity because he was one that was really really supportive of me starting this program, and he he sat down and did this interview with me about being a hockey coach and a hockey dad and balancing, you know, you're a, you're a coach at the rink, but then you want to be a dad at the house and not mix the two. And it was a great interview. And then shortly after I recorded the interview is when the accident happened and he passed away. And, uh, it was just an odd feeling that I had one of the only remaining, you know, an audio of his voice that nobody had heard before. And so I started talking to people about it. But, hey, I've got this. What do I do with it? And the, the major, I mean, the, the absolute response from everybody is, well, you have to finish it and you have to put it out for everybody to hear. And that's by far been my number one episode mm-hmm. uh, that people listen to. So that was just really uh, satisfying to be able to put that out there. Um, you know, again, the, a tragic event that, you know, I was able to help people along and, yeah. you know, in their, their, so that was unfortunate. Um, but it's, you know, as as you talk about, you know, mourning and and remembering people, he was just a great person all the way around, and I was just privileged to be part of his life. Yeah, and you you probably showed a different, or maybe not a different, but you got into a side of him that maybe people that would not have known as well. The idea of coach versus father, and and something that's really uh, fascinating to me uh, that you've sort of said but haven't really like dove into is the idea of this community. Right, so there's this community of people that uh, supported you and, and wanted to help you get your show off the ground. Also supported you when when thinking about this episode, uh, you know, with your with your friend who passed away and supported you to do that. And then there's the community of parents who are at the game, you know, helping you set up your tripod and getting on the. And I don't. I think that like, I think that the the community around like youth hockey is is more closely knit than like you know my kids little league right like the parents on my kids little league team um do you think that that's accurate i think it depends where you're at and if, if you're in the, here in the midwest it's abs- absolutely i would agree with that because hockey is is an afterthought for a lot of other sports your midwest is typical 
football, basketball, baseball, uh, maybe some soccer. Hockey is is distinctly uh, lagging behind simply because it's you know it's kind of an outsider sport. It's it's, it's not as a, as available as the others. It is definitely more expensive. There's a lot more dedication into it because not only do you have to take the skills uh, that you have in other sports, but you have to do it on ice skates. So it's you know, <laughs> yeah. not as big as a hockey community, but the community that you have is solid and they, they absolutely support each other. And then on top of that, when you start talking about traveling, you're spending weekends in, in hotels with these people. And, and a lot of times to, you know, to save uh, save money and time. You've got people will share rides. They'll share hotels because I mean, you go on the road, you know, for two or three nights, you're paying $120 a yes. night for a hotel that racks up real quick. Whereas, Absolutely. you know, I can, I can stay with my buddy and, and, and share the room where it's, you know, two of us with our two kids and then that cuts it in half and then we ride together. So yeah, I mean, you're spending weekends on the road with a lot of these people hanging out in hotel rooms and, you know, and one of the, probably one of the funnier things about being a, a hockey parent was, especially when the kids were, were younger is send the kids to bed. We, we got to get you to bed because we got the parents meeting, you know, you got to right. be in bed all the time. Well, what's the parents meeting? It's all the parents sitting around drinking beer together yeah, yeah, late at night. Uh-huh. And you know, you get, you just really get to know each other. Uh, you know, you, you, you get to know each other better when, when you're relaxed and you're not on top of everything. And, and that's in the hotel rooms on the drives, you know, in the hockey rinks before and after the game. You really get to know people, and, and you end up having this really tight knit community because of that time that you spent together. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, so let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, as a hockey dad who has had a few kids go through and played some hockey, what do you think is like overall like the most underrated skill a hockey player? So maybe maybe that's not the right way to say it, but the skill that that hockey players need to work on the most, but that they don't like to do. I used to have this conversation with, with Shane a lot because Tyler has, he's, he's just, he's a really gifted athlete and he's got a lot of potential and we've always wanted to support him without being that obnoxious, you know, those obnoxious parents that push them. So we've had lots of conversations and I think just in general, uh, when, especially when you get into hockey, because it's so unique and there's so many skills that other people can't do, everybody wants to do the trick. Everybody wants to have the flexing stick and do this, you know, this fancy between the legs and everything. You really break it down to basics because, I mean, how many times do you see people do those tricks in a game? You might get it, you know, once or twice and hit the highlight reel. But 90 percent of your game, 95 percent of your game is your basic, basic skills of solid skating, solid uh, stick handling and your awareness of the game. So keeping it as basic as possible. And I think that goes for a lot of sports. People want to do the fancy stuff, but how often does that really happen? Right. So regardless of what sport you're playing, you know, if you're a parent and and you want to help your child, teach them the basics and drill the basics over and over again. You can't go wrong with that. You know, if you're in basketball, just dribble a ball as, as long as you can to a radio, to a beat, or just, you know, just dribble the ball. You can do all the fancy stuff between your legs, but really... If you can't dribble a basic, you know, ball just bouncing around the garage or on the driveway, you know, same thing with hockey players. So what do we do? Everybody wants to do the, you know, the fancy between the legs, this, you know, the quick snapshot and, you know, get to this one area. But we're like, really, if if you just do your basic stick handling and your basic skating instead of getting all fancy with it, just go to a hockey rink and practice those basic things. And you're going to be a far better athlete by doing that. Because mm-hmm. with, the, with the basics comes the fancy, right? You get those basics locked down and, and muscle memory. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I can do all these other things. 
Um, okay, so for someone or, or a kid or a family who, who has not been into hockey but wants to see hockey played the right way, what would be the team or player that you would point them to to see as the example? Well, in hockey, that's easy. You gotta say Wayne Gretzky. Uh-huh. I mean, you could. Watch. The the thing that kills me about that guy is you could, and you could take away all the goals he's ever scored, and he's still a points leader because of the number of assists that he he gave out. You know, and it's just classic in hockey where it's. I mean, the guy had skill. He had uh, awareness that was always going on, and of course, you know, as such a skilled athlete, guaranteed he had some real big tough guy defending him. Uh-huh. So. You know, there's there's always that. You, you know, you've got the tough guys. You know, a few distinct positions in hockey. You've got the highly skilled player. You've got the goaltenders. You've got the grinder. You know, and then you got the, the fancy player that one. You know, that's you know the, the with the hockey flow with the, the hockey player. You know, <laughs> you know, trying to do all the tricks and all that. Those are pretty four distinct things. But you know, I mean, it, it, most people that that think about hockey, they think about Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. You know, and you're gonna have a few other ones. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Philadelphia Flyers fan, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the nineties when they had the Legion of Doom and, um, you know, it was just the, the, the bullies. That's, that's yeah. what I love. <laughs> and it's hard to do that. They've changed the game. They've changed the rules to open it up a little bit because it was lagging behind. They wanted to increase the speed. They want to increase the scoring. And I think that's a great thing. It just have to be aware that it's changing the game or that it has changed the game. So, you know, some of those, you know, the, the bullies, really have to be good at what they do because if you know you you gotta you gotta be able to keep keep up with the game yeah it's exactly different. yeah I, th- I think like the the rule changes like the um <clears throat> the shootout or yeah the shootouts at the end of a tie game like a lot of that stuff has been really uh has really energized it i think and and the game has gone a little bit faster i've noticed that it's a little and maybe you know correct me if i'm wrong here but like a, a touch less physical with like checking and like really hard hitting and and things like that um i don't know is that accurate do you think or do you think that i'm just been to like the very nice the nice games (laughs) you missed all the tough games (laughs) no i think that's accurate i I think one of the things that they did that i really really like was uh they used to have a rule called the two line pass you couldn't send the puck across two lines and stretch the play. Well, what they did was they took the red line out of that consideration. So you could sit back in your defensive zone and send the puck most of the way down and they could receive it just outside the offensive zone. And I think what that does is it opens up the ice um, where they can't just stand in in the neutral zone right along mid ice and just clog up the play because you do have fast players. You do have skilled players that can now make those long passes and you really have to be able to defend against that. And I think it has opened up the game and made it more exciting and there's a certain type of player that doesn't necessarily fit into the modern game. Um, there was talks that they were trying to reduce fighting. Um, you know, the, certain things, if you're going to get uh, an, an extra penalty or, you know, in the upper levels like the NHL, they might get a fine if they intentionally just come off the bench to go fight. And that right. used to be a thing. The coach would send them out, okay, you go get that guy. And right. they would go off the bench and go straight out and they would hit him and they would fight. Well, if you do that and they see you doing that, now it has to be part of the play, you know, part of the game. You know, if you go out and you make a hard hit and somebody wants to come up and fight and, you know, you both want to fight, they're they're generally going to let it go. I think that's part of the game that they're never really going to do away with. But I think what they're trying to do is to not make it more gentlemanly. I don't think that's the right word. (laughs) 
But um, you know, I think they're just they're just trying to keep it under control and make it more marketable. Right. For the vast majority of people. Right. Cool. Well, uh, so so Neil, how can we how can we find your show? How can we follow you uh, online, et cetera? Where where, where are the places that we got to find you? Well, my primary is my website, hockeyparentpodcast.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, my handle is at hockey uh, at hockeyparentpod. And uh, primarily, my following is on Facebook, but I'm starting to gain a little bit of traction on the Twitter. That's mostly my fault, though, because I'm I use Facebook so much with the the broadcast that it's just easy for me. Uh-huh. So I'm getting I'm getting a handle on, on on getting Twitter going. I do have some other uh, social media accounts that I haven't really got going yet. I didn't <laughs> want to try to be a jack of all trades because you know that means that you're not really doing anything well. So uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to dial in my my website and clean it up a little bit, but uh, it does have uh, the episodes right there on the main page, uh, Facebook and Twitter. And, and one of the things I did, I just released an episode. Uh, I had a I had a uh, interview on Sunday that fell through. I got a reschedule, and I oh. didn't have a filler, so I just sat behind the mic the other day and just kind of did 30 minutes of solo. Whoa! One of the things, yeah, it was kind of odd. But one <laughs> of the things I talked about was just trying to engage with more people because right now it just feels like I'm 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 doing the interviews, I'm putting it out there. And, and that's it. So and, that, and that's great. It's been good so far. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build more engagement where people come on, either email me or go on to Facebook and engage a little bit. Tell me where you're listening from. Tell me what you want to hear about or who you want to hear from. If there's an organization that has something to do with hockey that hockey parents are interested in, let me know and I'll try to try to get a hold of those people. So I'm trying to do a little bit more engagement now that I've got, you know, the scheduling is good. The you know, I'm starting to put out consistent content. I'm, you know, I'm learning the the system and I'm learning the the business of podcasting. Yeah, a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so any feedback, what I'm looking for is feedback. If people want to check out the show and they like it, you know, send me an email or, or post a, a message on Facebook. I'd, I'd love to hear from some people. Great. Well, Neil, thank you so much for your time. And we should say that last week you and I tried to, uh, tried to hook this up the first time and I, uh, I was MIA in hockey terms, so thank you for sticking with me, and, <laughs> right. and it was really a, a pleasure to talk to you, and I, I love your show, and I love what you're doing, and, and uh, good luck, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay subscribed to your show. I love it. It's, it's great so far, so count me as a, uh, as a listener. I'm awesome. looking forward to hearing some more of you. Nice. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot. Yeah. If you have a hockey lover in your life, a young hockey lover, I should say, and they want to learn more about the game, the Hockey Parent Podcast is a great place to start. Thanks again to Neil for his time. It was really interesting and, and fun to talk to him. I never really thought about the life of a hockey parent for a kid who gets really, really into that particular sport. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. If you wanted to subscribe and rate and share the Good Stuff Sports Podcast, it would mean a lot course this is part of the good stuff network and my name is mike mason it's been a pleasure talking to you on episode seven of good stuff sports and we'll talk to you very very soon good stuff